Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli. Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Social Conversations. A-teamers, remember that at 11 o'clock, Mudupi Mahalimela comes in to give you the final warlike news update, so make sure you are tuned in. In this social conversation, we are raising the bar. Tonight, we're going to be starting a conversation around whistleblowing at work. Now, we are aware that whistleblowers have played a very pivotal role in bringing to light unethical and illegal activities uh, that we might sometimes not have known about. I mean, we are in the post-Zondo commission era, and it's an era that has opened our eyes up to so much. But we keep hearing about the personal costs experienced by some of these brave people. I remember interviewing two of uh, the whistleblowers uh, who came out on the Zondo Commission who are in fear of their lives, who have lost their careers, lost income. Some of them have even left the country. And it's it's tragic. I mean, we know that blowing the whistle can even be deadly. They've had death threats to their lives. And they spoke here on SAFM um, while I interviewed them. Well, today, in light of all of this, we are going to be starting a conversation about blowing the whistle mm, and asking the question, is it even possible? Is it possible to be ethical, blow the whistle, speak about the things that are, are illegal or unethical ethical that are happening in your workplace or in your community without you blowing your own identity? Is it possible? Can you do it? Um, And if so, how? Because no one wants to live in a a place or work in a workplace that has people doing things that are unscrupulous. But at the same time, no one wants to risk their lives. Well, our guest uh, this evening for Raising the Bar is uh, Penny Milner-Smyther, who is from Ethical Ways. And uh, she regularly writes about uh, best practices in the management of whistleblowing in the workplace. She has also authored three related fact sheets for employers that have been published by the Professional Board for Human Resources. Thank you very much for joining us, Penny. Good evening. Good evening, Patricia. So, Penny, how is the media spotlight on, uh, you know, retaliation against whistleblowers affecting others who may wish to raise concerns regarding wrongdoing at the workplace or even in our communities? Well, it's, it's affecting South Africans in two ways. I think the one way in which it's really being positive, uh, Patricia, is that um, we've got a new generation of national heroes, um, people who are models of integrity that we can look up to. Um, On the other hand, um, the focus on the harm that has been suffered by these high-profile whistleblowers is having a deterrent effect on many people who work in, in environments where they may well be able to speak up safely but now have additional concerns about that. So, in other words, uh, when it comes to some unethical activities, uh, we might now be less likely to rather, more than being likely to hear about it. Um, That's not a good prospect. I mean, we want people to feel safe. We do. And so that's why I think this evening it's a good idea just for for us just to talk about blowing the whistle anonymously. And of course, if you're in a position to speak up openly, that has so many advantages um, for the process of detecting and remedying wrongdoing. But for many people, 
sharing their knowledge or suspicions anonymously is simply the only way they can imagine doing that. Um, and I think before we get on to talking about how to do that, um, it's so important that we start by drawing a distinction in our minds between a whistleblower and a witness. In South Africa, because of the spotlight on our high-profile whistleblowers, we have come to associate the negative consequences of being a whistleblower with the consequences of being a witness, and they are not one and the same. All right, so at least now we understand the difference. Now, the whistleblowers in the news are those who have given evidence in public right and they've served as witnesses to wrongdoing that they have encountered in their places of work. That's, that's quite right. And we are so grateful to those brave people. They're people who found themselves in situations where their employer had a vested interest in keeping that information hidden. And it was information about matters that were of significant public interest. Um, so despite the employer's determination to hush things up, these whistleblowers kind of responded to a feeling of being compelled um, that feeling might have been for professional or personal reasons, but they felt compelled to speak up. And whatever consequences they have suffered, many of those whistleblowers will tell you that they didn't feel that they had a choice. And that faced with the same situation, they may very well report the wrongdoing again. Um, but um, if you are employed you do have an obligation to bring knowledge of wrongdoing to your employer's attention. And many people listening tonight work for employers who would want to know about wrongdoing. So let's just talk about that situation where most people are working in organizations where employers are not inherently corrupt, where they do want to know about wrongdoing. Um, so, yeah, we need to understand that you can blow the whistle and not necessarily be a witness. We're very grateful to people who will make themselves available for an investigator to build their case around. But let's talk about ways to blow the whistle when you can without revealing your identity and never needing to become a witness. A-teamers, please join in on this conversation. It's a very important one uh, post uh, um, the Zondo Commission, um, especially now that uh, even, you know, the report, the second report has been issued out uh, to the president and the public has um, got full preview of it. We know exactly what's going on. Uh, we've heard the stories from whistleblowers and it is important for us to be ethical as we are raising the bar. My question to you <laughs> listening as an A-teamer, um, how can we ensure that we remain ethical, we blow the whistle, but we don't blow our own cover? Have you ever gone and reported wrongdoing, whether it's in your workplace, at the school where your child is? Perhaps you're a member of a body corporate and you've realized that mm -mm, monies are going where they're not supposed to be going. Have you reported it? And how were you treated? How did you manage to conceal your identity. Call in and share with us, or even if you've got some questions for Penny around blowing the whistle without blowing your identity, you can call in on 011-714-2006. Alternatively, you can uh, WhatsApp 0614-104-107.
0617. SMS is going to 41391. Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Social Conversations. We are in conversation with uh, Penny Milner-Smythe of uh, Ethical Ways, and we are talking uh, raising the bar today. We're focusing on blowing the whistle uh, without blowing your own cover, which is something quite critical. And I hope you will join in on the conversation as an A-teamer via WhatsApp on 0614104107. Now, Penny, you said that it we can actually blow the whistle anonymously. What are the things that we should consider if we are planning to blow the whistle on any um, unethical activity? I love the word planning because um, blowing the whistle effectively and maintaining your anonymity does need planning, Patricia. You are quite right. So I think what we'd like to talk about is um, researching a suitable method, what to include in a report, um, who you should or should not confide in, an important question, should you tell your bestie at work or not that you're planning on blowing the whistle? Uh, we need to talk about how to respond to a supervisor who's trying to flash out a whistleblower, what kind of records you might like to keep, um, and so on. But the first thing to know is that by law, all South African employers should be advising the people who work for them as to the procedure they should follow in making a report of wrongdoing. So as an employee, ideally, if I come across an ethical or illegal activity, I can refer to a policy which I find on a notice board or in a manual um, on an intranet um, that tells me the routes that the company or the routes that the company are making available for me to blow the whistle. Um, I think if you don't have access to that kind of information and you can't find it based on uh, research, um, then it's correct that you would direct your report to the most senior person um, in the organization whose, whose details that you have. That would be your anonymous report, which we'll be talking about. Obviously, some professions and employees can also report anonymously to a third party. There are certain bodies who have a responsibility to receive whistleblowing reports. But I think we'll talk about those third parties another day. Let's focus on reporting wrongdoing related to your workplace within the organization mm. this evening. So, so when you're planning on now going anonymous, I mean, what method of reporting do you make? I, I imagine if I had to report a case, right, um, yes. and yes. I, 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 were, I needed to write an email, that email address will directly point at me because it has my name and my surname. Um, yes. And if someone wants to investigate even further, they'll even know which computer or location I was at when I was typing that uh, particular email. Um, if I were to call, someone would be able to trace back to my cell phone number that I called with and say, well, th this is the number that called in to be anonymous. If I were to go in person, well, I've just blown my cover. So how can, what methods can I use um, uh, to blow the whistle without re revealing my identity? How do I report it? Well, I think this is where the planning comes in. And you're quite right that it's so important that you plan this don't report in the heat of the moment from your workplace. Um, ideally, don't make the report using your employer's resources in the first place. Um, not their fax, their phone, their computer, 
or their email system. Um, plan to do it at a time when you won't be interrupted or overheard by someone who you don't want to know. Um, I do believe you can create a Gmail address or some kind of, of, of address um, that doesn't actually have your name on it. So I don't think there's any harm in calling yourself 007 at gmail.com. But that's probably taken. So um, this is an option to create an uh, email address using some or other third-party service that doesn't include your name. But then again, don't use your office computer. Um, if you're going to write a handwritten letter, well, if you're sending it to your employer, maybe dictate it to a family member whose handwriting is not known. Um, these are the kind of things um, to think about. But most importantly, if we find out what the route is or what the routes are available to us, we might be surprised at the number of safe routes available. Um, a surprising number of South African organizations have whistleblowing policies. They have systems in place. They even appoint independent ethics hotline providers so that you have complete confidence that the people receiving your call are independent and they have an obligation to protect your identity. And of course, you don't have to give them your details either, but you have that confidence that you're reporting to a third party who is independent. And they should offer you a number of options. Um, maybe if we just talk about um, our, our previous discussion this evening, ideally you um, have the option to report to a hotline provider who has live call answering of your call in any South African language. When you're feeling emotional, you're feeling anxious, you really want to be able to make a report in your own language. And so that is ideal. Many of these hotlines have reporting apps. They have online forms that you can submit in addition to the hotline numbers. And they offer you a number of different uh, options. So there are um, a couple of ways that we can report without uh, um, blowing our own identities. But yeah, I think let's go to this voice note before we go to what should be included in a report. Because you also don't want to just be airy-fairy um, or else no one's going to take it seriously. You want to report and have some substance. But before we get to that, um, let's go to this voice note. I would... Good evening, Patricia. My name is Leon, owned by Cape Town. Quite an interesting uh, subject. But I believe the easy way is, like in our business, using undercover report. You can use your own child's name, friend's name, and then as, a, as you can say, a create a contact with your employer or the person you need to report to. All right, thank you very much. I think uh, that makes sense. Uh, it's an easier way as well. So, Penny, uh, uh, help us here. What should be on uh, that particular report, whether it's verbal or written? Well, the important thing is to be specific. And um, what I think is very frustrating point of view and I've been in that situation as a person appointed to receive reports is that 
clearly the person making the report knows exactly what they're talking about. But because I lack their context, I can't really get enough information out of the report to investigate it. So the first thing is remember that some organizations are um, widespread. Um, you need to say the, the branch you and the site you on, your location, um, don't just say um, this is a report about the takeaway on Old Main Road. Okay, firstly, there are hundreds of Old Main Road in South Africa, and even if we just drive down Old Main Road in Cape Town, we'll find many takeaways. Mm. <laughs> so being specific is important. Then describing the matter in as much detail as possible, including the date and time, if it was an event, as far as you know. And if it's recurring, when does it usually happen? Uh, you want to know who is involved. Um, people in your own organization. There might be people outside the organization, suppliers, potential suppliers, syndicates, syndicate members who are threatening you. Bear in mind we might have community members who are poachers, who are um, intimidating uh, game rangers to try and get information about rhinos that they might be wanting to um, dehorn. These are the kind of complex realities people find themselves in, and we need to know about them. Who else knows about this? Have you got any evidence? We don't want you to be Sherlock Holmes. We don't want you to go looking for evidence. But if you have any, share it. And then also just most importantly, give the investigators advice about how to find the evidence without you. Most investigators with enough of a lead, will go and find evidence without having to rely on a witness. And so this is something that you need to think about. For example, could an internal auditor stumble across this information? I saw a lovely example at um, number 10 Downing Street in the UK where they were investigating um, parties that should not have been happening during lockdown. And people were being asked to come forward and say who was at number 10 Downing Street. Mm. And then uh, the person running the commission said, don't worry, I'll just get all the site records. These are the details of who entered uh, and left number 10 Downing Street at what time. Think about how an investigator can find out what you know without asking you. Now, you say most of the time the investigator won't need an, a witness, but I think some people are afraid of the fact that a witness might be needed, and maybe that's why they'd want to uh, stay clear of uh, blowing the whistle. How can you give enough, so, so much in evidence or enough evidence that there is no witness required and you mm -hmm. don't get called in as the same person who blew the whistle? Well, the good thing is that if you report anonymously, you can't be called in. This does mean that there are going to be times when an investigation doesn't reveal everything that needs to be revealed in order to take action. But the investigators that I speak to say that nine times out of ten, uh, with enough direction, they will find, and with enough time, they will find the evidence. Um, every organization has a situation where Managers have management controls, they review documents, um, there are various people, um, especially in larger organizations, who have checks and balances, and often we just need to direct them to a problem and 
they will identify it. Now, Penny, uh, we spoke earlier about uh, should you tell uh, colleagues, family members, friends, your partner that you're about to blow the whistle or shouldn't you? Well, remember your anonymity is in your hands. If you really want to be anonymous, be very careful about who you tell. It's great to have the support of a loved one outside the workplace, for example, but resist the urge to confide in your colleagues. The truth is that even if your colleagues agree completely that what's happening isn't correct, the prospect of their boat being lost can be fearful for them. You might make them feel bad for not being as brave as you are. Um, And they're more likely to be intimidated by a supervisor into revealing your identity. So uh, remember that um, it's in your hands. It's really a big burden to put on a colleague and expect them to keep that confidence. And, you know, sometimes then you've now taken up the courage, you've planned properly, and you go and blow the whistle. And then all of a sudden, your superior, your manager, someone comes and starts intimidating and uh, urging you to start, uh, you know, speaking. Uh, What should you do in that instance? Well, uh, we hear this uh, fairly often, and it's typically a situation where top management are very concerned about the report and they might um, call a particular manager in or supervisor in to try and get more information. Um, they might even say that they have um, some uh, feedback to the effect that there is a problem. They won't have revealed your identity, remember, because you haven't revealed your identity. And what you will find happening is that possibly an angry or suspicious line manager tries to flush out um, or intimidate people into not talking further. Um, And so they might call a meeting, they might say someone here has been speaking out of turn, um, and in fact, I know who it is, so you might as well complete immediately. Just be prepared. Don't fall for it. Just remember, you have done the right legal thing by reporting wrongdoing, and it's actually not legal to be threatening or intimidating staff members. You do not have to, at that moment, <laughs> confess that you're the person that was the whistleblower. Mm, mm. Stay silent. And should we be keeping a, re- a record of uh, our report or us uh, uh, blowing the whistle? And how do we keep it without it getting found? Well, certainly don't keep it at work, but I think it's a very good idea to keep a note of how you blew the whistle, when it was, what the content was. It's important to remember that things change. Managers change. Managers get uncovered in other ways. And it's not impossible that you or your colleagues could face uh, disciplinary action for keeping quiet. And knowing that your staff or discovering that your staff must have known that something was wrong and yet they kept that from you, is something that really causes a breakdown in trust between the manager and the employees. You want a record of how and when you did the right thing, and you will find um, a safe place to keep that where you would keep other things that you don't want people to find. Mm. As we close off, uh, please give us your final um, you know, remarks around how we can all blow the whistle without blowing our own cover. Right. I think maybe what I need to say is that Employed people have an obligation to speak up. 
regarding wrongdoing. Mm. And mm. if we're going to do this and we are fearful, we need to plan to do it. We all need at times to fulfill a duty. This helps us to ease our conscience and we can do it with identity protected by reporting anonymously. It's doing so in a way that directs the report recipient to the evidence without requiring your first-hand testimony. Penny, thank you so very much for shedding light on this particular issue. Very, very important. Um, and we're going to continue raising the bar and making sure that we are all ethical and we try our best to stay protected. How do our A-teamers get in touch with you on social media and if they want to uh, ask how to go about uh, reporting certain issues? Well, I'm hoping that um, in our future conversations we'll be talking about resources and support available to people who want to or have and are suffering consequences um, from blowing the whistle. And you can find me on on LinkedIn. Um, You can write um, to us by the emails on our website, Ethical Ways. And we look forward to having more conversations with you um, about blowing the whistle safely. Excellent. Thank you so very much, Penny, for joining us. Looking forward to next week's session of Raising the Bar. That was Penny Milner-Smythe of Ethical Ways. It's a minute after 11. Let's go straight to Mudupi Mahalimela for the final news bulletin. Mudupi, I hope you've started the week well. Hola.